Grab your Bibles with me and turn them to Mark chapter 16. Turn them to Mark chapter 16, and uh, we, uh, we've been on a series that we've started at the beginning of the year that we're going to really progress through over the course of the next 12 months, and uh, it's, uh, it, it's around the theme of moving forward. How many people already this year have been able to say, yeah, I've been moving forward in some areas in my life, like I've been stuck and I'm not stuck any longer, but I've taken a step. It might not be very far, but I've taken a few steps. And the premise of moving forward comes from uh, the passage of Scripture where the Israelites, everybody remember this story, right? Um, uh, two head nods, great. The, uh, the Israelites have come out of Egypt. They've come up to the Red Sea. They've uh, got the, the Egyptians behind them. And there's three responses in this story. You've got the Israelites who are saying, we should go back. We're never going to make it. Let's retreat. And then you've got Moses who comes on the scene, and Moses says, stand still. And then you've got the Lord, and the Lord comes, and he says, don't go back. Don't stand still. Move forward. Right? Everybody remember? Yeah. So we've been in this season to say, okay, God, we want to move forward. We want every area in our life to progress forward. And uh, we're on week two of a series about moving forward in community. But before we get to that, I felt like it was important to just kind of dig a little deeper into this theme of moving forward, because I feel like the process and the journey, sometimes the very initial step is just as important. And uh, it's important for us to dig down to see what the Word says about being on a journey with the Lord. Amen? Amen. So Mark chapter 16, if you're there, say amen. Let's put it up on the screen. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Let me say it again. He said to them, go. Everybody say go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, I, I remember back in my late teenage years when uh, hearing this, this scripture and it officially became real to me. And something began to stir in my heart where I realized that a Christian was not designed to simply sit on a, in, a, in a Sunday morning service and raise a hand and give a dollar and have good deeds. That being a Christian was much more than simply that. That it wasn't just about having good morals, good ethics, and good values. That it was about living like Jesus to the world. That we were actually called to be a light to the world. Not a light to the church, but a light to the world. And I remember when the, that first became real to me just thinking, man, how do I do that? How do I, how do I actually act that out? How do I go and talk to somebody? How do, how, do I, how do I move forward in that area in my life? And as many of us have experienced, I just begin to question myself and critique myself and say, well, that's not me. That's for an evangelist. That's for a pastor. That's for somebody who's very eloquent with words, somebody who, you know, feels called to do that. So, so that's not me. So I'm off the hook. But as I kept reading scripture, I'd read things that would say the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. And I would read that, that I was called to go lay hands on the sick and that they would recover. And that I would see people uh, free from demonic bondage. And I could preach the gospel and people would say yes to him. And I remember reading scripture and it began to allow me to see that my perspective was wrong. And how many people are thankful that the word can bring clarity to bad perspectives? How many people are thankful that when you think something and it's wrong, you can get the right answer by reading the Bible? 
And so I begin to realize that, no, I've, I'm actually called to do this. And so there'd be people around me, and they would have testimonies, and they would, you know, be at the gas station or the grocery store, and someone would get saved. And they're like, man, how did you do that? And, and I would ask, like, I was inquisitive. I want to know every part of the story. What did you say to them? How did you start the conversation? What did you say when they asked that question? How did you lead them into it? And then what did you pray? And then what happens if it didn't work? And, then, and I was like, I got to understand the process. And, and I would read books, and I remember listening to messages and reading books of a revivalist and evangelists and saying, okay, I've got to learn the system. I've got to learn the process so that when I'm in that position, I know what to do and how do I talk to an atheist and how do I talk to a Mormon and how do I talk to a Catholic and how do I talk to different people and, and yet, and yet be, uh, be with it and not be nervous. And, and like I was, I was well-schooled. And uh, I remember feeling like I was finally ready and one night uh, I was going to go to Safeway. I wasn't going there to buy groceries. I was going there to preach the gospel and to pray for the sick. And I was all excited. Uh, I felt good, felt confident. So I walked in the Safeway, and it went terrible. Like, it went so bad. Uh, I fumbled over my words. I wasn't confident. Like, everything I'd prepared to do, it never went that way. And I was totally unprepared for how it did go. And uh, all the schooling and preparing I had done was basically useless. And I remember coming back and going to somebody and saying, man, I don't understand. Like, I was, I was ready. Like, I was studied. It should have gone differently. And they said, Aaron, the problem is, is that you can't learn how to go pray for the sick until you go pray for the sick. That you can't actually learn how to evangelize for the Lord until you go evangelize for the Lord. This is Kingdom 101. That when God begins to stir something in your heart, he begins to lead you on a journey to teach you. He doesn't lead you on a journey after you've already figured it out. He leads you on a journey to teach you. And this is as simple this message is. You want to learn how to pray? Pray. You want to learn how to fast? Fast. You want to learn how to improve your finances? Start improving your finances. Well, and that sounds so simple. Like that's just a blanket statement. You all have a brain. You're on the hook. God has given you the first step. We're all so scared of what that first step might look like. But what we're so worried about is I won't know what to do until, you know, God shows me or reveals it to me. But what God is saying is you won't know what to do until you start doing it. But Aaron, I don't understand how to actually read my Bible. Yes, I know. And you won't understand until you start reading your Bible. Well, I don't understand how to go talk to somebody about Jesus. I understand that. And you won't understand until you talk to somebody about Jesus. This is much different than our American culture. Probably much different than Ireland's culture as well. See, but it's this simple. God says, you want to learn how to pray? Start praying. You want to learn how to improve your marriage? Start improving your marriage. But see, in our Western model of education, it's you can't go until you know. Right? You've got to sit in a classroom. You've got to listen to lectures. You've got to study, you've got to memorize, you've got to be prepared, then you've got to take a test, you've got to pass the test, then you've got to graduate, and then you get the degree. You can't go until you know. But see, in the kingdom of God, it's different. In the kingdom of God, it says, you want to know, start going. You want to learn, start going. You want to move forward, don't worry if you don't know what the next step is, just start moving forward. In the kingdom of God is different. See, you will never, leave, never be perfectly prepared for community. You'll never be perfectly prepared to pray for the sick, 
You'll never be perfectly prepared to have children. Hallelujah, we all know that to be true. You'll never be perfectly prepared to be married. But it's amazing what happens when you take that first step. When I take that first step to improving my finances, all of a sudden I realize I have a different vantage point here than I did back there. Back here, all I saw was uh, unlimited issues and I'm never gonna make it. I take one step forward and I realize there's hope. I could actually make it out of where I've been. Back here, I never thought I could prophesy. God never, he only chooses to prophesy through people who can't have that gift. But I take one step and I realize, oh, I can hear the voice of God. I can actually talk to people. He can actually speak through me. And then I take one step further and I realize it actually works. People actually, like, we're going through what I thought they were going through. I take the next step and all of a sudden I see things much differently than I did back then. But if you never take the step and you stay here, all you're gonna see is 20 steps that you can't figure out. And this is our problem is we step back and we say, until I can see step 20, I won't take one step forward. That's not how God works. It says, lean not on your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. This is how it works in the kingdom. You take a step, oh, that's how it worked. I didn't know that's how it worked. Then you take another step, oh, he's still with me. And all of a sudden you realize, I don't have to know what's five steps ahead of me. I just gotta take one. All of us know what that first step is. We all know. You're not off the hook. Your marriage is struggling. You all know the first step. Your finances are struggling. You know the first step. God's been speaking it to you. You've been hesitating and questioning. We all know it. Part of the challenge is we're trying to analyze step five before we've taken step one. You aren't supposed to know step 20. Walk by faith, not by sight. I'm going to trust you along the process. We say this. We say, I can't go forward. I can't move forward until I've learned. This is what the Bible says. You can't learn until you move forward. You won't. You won't. It's true in business. It's true in life. It's true in relationships. We, if we wait for all the right answers... And it's amazing how the first step is generally involving community. How do I move forward in my finances? Well, it's probably going to start with meeting somebody who's a professional. How do I move forward in my marriage? It's probably going to start like being discipled by somebody in your marriage. But how do I move forward in reading the Bible? It's probably going to start with talking to somebody about how to read the Bible. It's amazing how community oftentimes is involved in that first step. And see, there's in this process of learning, there's really four main types of learning that we all deal with, and all of us can probably identify with one, and if you're an educator in this room, forgive me if I'm repeating things that you're well-versed in, but there's four main learning styles, right? Because we're on a learning process with the Lord, so it's important to understand how we learn. So all of us can probably identify with one of them. Maybe some of us can identify with all of them, and if that's you, I'm sorry, because that's, that's a difficult... If you're, I'm going to go through and you're going to understand. A visual learner. Here's number one. A visual learner. Someone with a preference towards visually learning. Anybody this way? And is, it is partial to observing things including pictures, diagrams, written directions, and more. This is also referred to as the spatial learning style through sight. Understanding information when it is presented in a visual way. 
Auditory learners, this is me, I'm an auditory learner. Auditory learners tend to learn better when the subject matter is reinforced by sound. These students would much rather listen to a lecture than read written notes, and they often use their own voices to reinforce new concepts and ideas. Number three, kinesthetic learners. These learners, or tactile learners, learn through experiencing or doing things. They like to get right in the thick of things and like to use their hands to touch and handle in order to understand concepts. Anybody that way? Yeah, yeah, and all my kids are that way too. Uh, reading, writing, and learners. Uh, these learners prefer through written words where there is some overlap with visual learners. These types of learners are drawn to expression through writing, reading articles, writing in diaries, looking up words in the dictionary, and reading the internet for just about everything. Now, whichever way you learn, one thing that research has shown, one thing that science has shown, one thing that the Bible has shown is that there is a best way to learn something. That if you want an idea, if you want a, an action to become real to you, there is a best way to learn. And it is called active learning. Active learning is much better than passive learning. And science shows that the things that you retain through active learning will be much greater than the things you retain through passive learning. And what I want to do is I want to break these down for you. And you might be saying, why is this important? Because this is what this message is all about. You want to learn how to move forward? Start moving forward. You want to learn how to improve your marriage? Start improving your marriage. You want to learn how to improve your finances? Start improving your finances. Okay? This is as simple as it gets today. Here's the passive learning models. Listening to lectures. Okay, listening to lectures. The percentage that you remember while listening to a lecture is 5%, which is a little depressing because it's what I'm doing right now. You remember 5% of what you hear during a lecture, which is why we say that a Sunday morning will never be transformative until you actually take it and apply it to your life. This is why everybody's goal in this, in this 2019 should be to take notes, Bring a paper, bring a pen, bring a pencil, transcribe notes so you can take it home and actually look through it so you can go from passive to active. Great, thank you. That was worthy of a response, but it was a lecture, so it's only 5%. That's okay. Number two is reading. The amount of information that you remember from reading is 10%. Blair and I read the Bible every day. Awesome, 10%. Number three, listening to audio messages Recordings or watching video material, you remember 20%. 20%. Number four, demonstrations. If someone demonstrates something, you'll remember 30%. And we all know this to be true. Like, how many of us took two years of Spanish in high school? Right? And if we were dropped off in Mexico right now, like, we would be in deep trouble. Like, I could ask what your name is, I can ask for water, where the bathroom is, and for chicken. And other than that, I'm in big trouble, right? We know this to be true. Like, if we only stay passive, we will not remember what we have learned. Passive, what you learn during a passive model, if it's not transitioned to active, you will only remember 5 to 30%. So here's our active learning models. Number one is group discussion. You remember 5 or 50% during a group discussion, which is a great segue to small groups. 
This is why we do small groups, because you need a forum to go from passive learning to active learning in your life. Because if all you do is hear and listen and read and never apply and discuss, you won't retain and remember what is being taught to you. So number one is group discussion. Number two is real life experiences. 75% of what you learn during real life experiences, you retain. Number three is teaching others after real life experience. You retain 90%. And we all know this to be true. This is said time and time again in the Bible. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them on the screen, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and what? Teaching. And what? Teaching. And teaching them why? Because the Lord knows. He said, disciples, you've been with me for three years. You've seen the miracles. You've seen the testimonies. You've heard the parables. You've watched the process. But it's time for you to go from passive learning to active learning. It's time for you to take what you've been listening to and hearing and watching and apply it to your life. Because if you only stay in the passive model, it won't ever go deep into your heart. So you say, well, Aaron, how do I actually learn how to pray for the sick? You stop listening to me tell you how to do it, and you go do it. You must make the transition from passive learning to active learning. Right? And you say, well, you know, God, I just don't, I don't have a great relationship. Like, I can't feel his presence. You want to know what the Bible says? It says, draw near to him, and then he'll draw near to you. Isn't that amazing? Who draws first? You. Take that step. Well, God, I don't know. I can't feel you. And until I feel you, I don't know what to do. As you take that first step, all of a sudden, oh, there's the Lord. But we're like, no, I can't move forward until I know every step ahead of me. That's not how it works. You won't ever move forward then. In James chapter 1, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, You are only fooling yourselves. I love the Bible. It's brash, and I don't have to be. If you only listen to my preaching, if you only read the Bible, if you only listen to great messages and don't do what it says, you are being foolish. Why? Because passive learning will not cut it. It's got to become active. It's got to become an action in our life. It's got to become in discussion. It's got to become in practice. It's got to become teaching. We've got to take that step to say, God, even though I don't know what's ahead of me, I do know this, is that you won't leave me. So wherever I take that step, I know you're with me, and I'm going to take it, and all of a sudden I realize it wasn't that difficult at all. And now I know a little bit more about the next step, and then I take the next step, but I don't have to figure it all out. just takes one. Just one step. It's moving forward. See, who here is an analyzer, right? Yeah, yeah, for me, like I'm an analyzer, I'm a planner. Like I know five years from now what I'm going to be eating. Like I'm well planned, well planned. The problem with that is in five years I won't be eating what I think I'll be eating. And so all the planning I might do, all the strategizing I might do, it's really not helping me. It's preventing me. And so I sit back and I think, you know, I'm 18 years old. I got to figure how to pray for somebody. I got to figure out how to preach the gospel. And all the time, God's like, man, I want to teach you how to do it. But until you actually stop trying to figure it out and just go do it, you won't learn how to do it. So how does this relate to community? 
See, in community, community is generally the first step of moving forward. Because if you don't have community, you'll probably run back after your first challenge. See, that each step requires something. It requires faith. It requires trust. It requires dependence upon the Lord. Because I don't know where I'm going. So I'm just trusting him with every step. And if I don't have people around me to hold me accountable, to encourage me, to come and sharpen me, then I'm going to be in trouble. The problem is, is that so often we look at that and we say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't need community. Like, I'm, it hurt me, or I'm, I'm good. Like, I got a great perspective on how to do things, and I'm good. And uh, a couple months ago, my wife was on a missions trip to Cambodia, and um, I, I was home with the kids, and it was like mid-November, so like 17th, 18th, something in that range. And uh, I love Christmas. It is the most wonderful time of the year, and it should last longer than a month. And so we put up our Christmas lights on like November 18th or 19th. And it was the best decision I've ever made in my life besides Jesus and my wife. And uh, so we put up the Christmas lights. I went to the store. Uh, I got like the best lights I could find. I found a way to like separate them appropriately. So we got up and my kids did it with me. And we got all the lights well stationed out. And we stepped back and we're like, man, it looks good. It was amazing. Like I was like best I've ever done feeling really good about myself. And so we, we ended up taking a trip right after uh, Thanksgiving. We came back from Texas around early December. By that time, everybody on our street had lights up. And as we're driving down the street, I look at the first house and I'm like, dang, that looks really good. Like, the lights are really bright and they're perfectly positioned in the next house. I'm like, man, that looks amazing. Like, and then I get to my house and I'm like, this looks terrible. Like, I did a terrible job. Like, the lights aren't perfect. Like, they're crooked. They look like little fireflies up there. Like, they're not even bright. Like, it looked terrible. But before anybody else had lights up, it was the best house of lights on the block. It was the best house. As soon as everybody else put lights up, I was like, this sucks. Like, who did this? I remember my neighbor came over to me, and he's like, hey, how you doing? Lights look great. I'm like, man, I, I don't even know what I did. Like, it looks terrible. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. I remember when I first started, I was trying to figure it out. And you're like, you'll get it. Just give yourself a few years. You'll get a system down. That's what community looks like. Because I was like, I'm never putting lights up again. And he's like, don't give up. You'll get it next time. But if my house was in the wilderness, and I put up lights, and no one else came by, and I never left, I think mine were the best lights ever. See, some of you are there looking like, I'm the best parent ever known. And we're all looking at you like, no, you're not. I'm the best spouse anyone could ever ask for. Nope, sorry, you're not. I'm the best at my finances, sorry. But when you're the only one with lights on, and you got no one around you doing it as well, it feels like you're the best. This is the promise of community. It will bring a new perspective. It will allow you to realize I might not be the best parent I thought I was. I might not be pursuing the Lord like I thought I could. I might not be stepping out like I thought I could. I might not be talking to my spouse or talking to my kids or doing my finances like I thought I could. But when I'm around community, I realize there's a better way to do things. You're not as good as you think you are. The only way for you to realize that at times is in community. How bad would it be if at the end of our lives we look back and we're like, if I only known there was a better way to do it. Like my wife and I, we are not the best parents. We are not the best spouses to each other. This is why we have community, because we realize there's things we just don't know. We realize there's ways we could do better. 
So around community, we ask, we learn, we get discipled. Community is important. And you might be sitting there thinking, I got a great relationship with the Lord. I, like I, me and the Lord, we're strong. Like we got a foundation that can't be moved. There was a man in the Bible who had the best relationship anyone could have ever had. And it's Adam in the garden, face to face with the Lord, would walk with him and talk with him. And yet the Lord looked at him and said, you know what, you're missing something. This was a man who walked and talked with God. Like he had what we all desire. And God said, no, you're missing something. You know what you're missing? You're missing community. So no matter how amazing your relationship with the Lord is, you still need community. You need people around you. You want to know why you're dull in areas in your life? Because no one's sharpening you. Iron sharpens iron. This is what we are. We're iron to each other. You want to know why your marriage is getting dull? You want to know why your finances are getting dull? You want to know why your relationship with the Lord is getting dull and dry? Because no one's sharpening you. You need someone to sharpen you. You need somebody in the community to come around and say, Luke, don't give up. Don't quit. And you're, you're getting encouraged to have somebody say, Isaiah, don't, don't get cold, man. Keep burning for Jesus. You need someone to come and say, Mike, don't worry about it, man. Keep going. I believe in you. Have somebody gird you. And then you need people to come and say, Luke, psh, stop it. You need it. This is community. This is iron sharpening iron. And if we don't have it, we'll be in trouble. It was always God's idea to have community. Let me read you some examples in Scripture about how community was so important. Adam needed Eve. Moses needed Aaron. Ruth needed Naomi. Esther needed Mordecai. Elijah needed Elisha. David needed Jonathan. Paul needed Barnabas, John, Mark, and Silas. Timothy needed Paul, and the disciples needed each other. And oh yeah, there was a pretty important small group in history. I'm not sure if you heard about it. It was Jesus and his bros, and they stayed together for three years. And after three years, they changed the world. So a small group in scripture is one of the primary components to growth in the Lord. If you don't have community, if you don't have community, you will be stunting your growth. And if you're not growing, you're dying. This is how God created nature. It's how he created relationships. It's how he created us. If we're not growing, we're dying. You need growth. In Acts chapter 5, we pick up a story about the early church and how they're beginning to um, establish uh, their growth pattern. And if you recall in early Acts, there, you know, 3,000 was added at one day. And uh, you know, entire, in two points of scripture, entire cities were saved for Jesus. So when we say we believe that an entire region can be saved, we've got reason to believe that. And, and so they're seeing growth. They're not just seeing growth, though, in numbers. They're seeing growth inside. They're growing in their relationship with the Lord. And in Acts chapter 5, it says this. It says, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. In temple courts and from house to house, okay? Temple courts was a gathering place. It was an open place where people could come and worship together. And then what would happen is that they would leave that place, they'd go to a house to discuss what they had just learned. Why? Because they realized if they only stayed passive and never went active, they would not have it go in deep into their soul. And so they had to go active learning and say, we've got to have group discussion, then we've got to teach each other, and then we've got to have practical application so that we can know what we're hearing. And these are two things that we need to commit to this year. Each person here, number one is large-scale worship gatherings, large group worship gatherings, Sunday morning, and small group fellowship. 
large group worship gatherings and small group fellowship. That if you want to grow in your relationship with the Lord and you want to begin to move forward and not go back, you're going to need large group worship and small group fellowship. If you don't do it, you are very likely to retreat. You're very likely to take one step forward and two steps back. Because community has a way of keeping you accountable, keeping you on mission, keeping you focused. And without it, you're susceptible to retreating. See, the Israelites, I believe that as they're walking, if there was one Israelite that God parted the Red Sea over, right, moving forward story, and he took one step and got in the middle of the Red Sea and looked at the giant walls of water on either side, it would have freaked them out. But in a community of a million people walking across the Red Sea on dry ground, ain't nobody getting scared because, like, we're in this together. See what the Lord did? And someone's reminding them, like, remember when God did those ten plagues back in Egypt? Like, we're good. Community has a way of keeping you on mission. It has a way of keeping you focused and moving forward and not quitting. You need large-scale worship, large-group worship, and small-group fellowship. And you might be saying to me, Aaron, I, I've been hurt by small groups before, and this is the great news, is you know the great physician who can come in and heal any issues, any pain, any frustration or offense. Two things are guaranteed in family, which is what we are. You will get offended and you will offend somebody else. So get over it because it's gonna happen and prepare yourself. I'm telling you, let your past be behind you. You might say, Aaron, that sounds harsh. I'm telling you, I'm looking one direction right now, and that is forward. My past is behind me, my past is not going to limit me any longer. I know I've got pain. I know I've got issues. I know I've got frustrations. I know somebody said something to me at one time, and I know the Lord disappointed me because he didn't answer that one prayer I said. But I'm taking a step forward. I'm saying, it's a new day, and I'm not going to hold myself back any longer. And when I move forward, I'm leaving the past behind me. And I'm choosing to say that right now, Lord, I will not stop, and I will not question what's ahead. I will trust you with each step, even though I don't know what's ahead of me but I'll believe that you're with me the whole way. This is moving forward in the kingdom. You want to learn how to fast? Start fasting. You want to learn how to pray? Start praying. You want to learn how to improve your finances? Start. Don't wait. You don't need to figure it all out. You're not expected to. This is why when the Bible says his ways are higher than ours, it's for reasons exactly like this. Because I don't know what's ahead of me, and I feel like I'm looking at a cliff right now, but I'm going to take one step, and it's amazing how the Lord's always with you. He's not going to leave you. And you may say, well, I don't need community. I'm good. I can tell you confidently that every person I look up to in my life has never made it without community. That the reason they're there is because they had people around them, people in their life. They were in small groups. They had iron sharpening them so that they could withstand, so they could stay steadfast, so they could stay diligent and not quit along the journey. Every person here, every single person needs to be in a small group. All of you. There's not one person here, me included, that doesn't need to be in a small group. I can tell you story after story about when I face something, I think I got it all figured out, I call somebody and I realize, I didn't see it that way before. It's amazing how that works. It's amazing how community provides different perspective. So would you stand with me? We're gonna, we're gonna do something in a moment where we're gonna have all the iPads, if we can have the iPads brought up to the front, and uh, we're gonna have signups for small groups right here. And uh, if you're here and you're a small group leader, if you could come to the front, we're gonna have, just so you can see who some of them are, we don't have all of, we, I think we might only have 
quarter of them here this morning. They were mostly here first service. Um, and if you want to have help signing up or want to learn about a small group, each small group lasts 14 weeks, okay? And you might be like, that's a long time. You know, when Jesus and his disciples stayed together for three years, the entire world was changed. So it's amazing what might happen if some of you do it for 14 weeks. Your life might be changed. So what I want you to do is if you have not signed up, I'm gonna pray in a minute when I'm done praying. If you have not signed up for a small group, you need to come up to the front you need to get on an iPad, have one of these amazing people help you on the iPad and sign up for a small group. You might say, wow, that sounds pretty direct. Yes, because I care about you staying the course. And if you wanna stay the course, you need to be in community. This right here is not community, okay? Sunday morning church is not community. You cannot do community in rows. You do community in circles. Circles could be around a dinner table, could be at a coffee shop, could be in a living room. This is not community, okay? You need large group worship, small group fellowship. Every single person here needs that. And I'm gonna pray in just a moment. And I want you, if you have not signed up, I want you to move forward out of your seat. You like that? Move forward out of your seat. Come forward and sign up for a small group. Amen? Amen. Y'all excited to sign up for a small group? Subdued response. Subdued response. We can work with subdued. We can work with it. I wish I could say it more intensely. You've got to have it. Do not kid yourself. Don't do it. Don't come up with great reasons. Don't look at your past history and say, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to be too uncomfortable. Aaron, I'm, I feel like insecure. Like, you know, I don't feel comfortable around other people. It's okay. God will move you past that. And if you don't, you will stay there for the rest of your life. And for a moment, visualize that. Visualize being stuck in that moment, in that place for the rest of your life. It's not a good place. You need people around you to say, hey, your lights don't look very good. Let me show you a better way to hang them. And you didn't use uh, even red and white, you used pink. Pink is not a Christmas color. All right, so I'm gonna pray. And then if you have not signed up, I want you to come up. Father, I thank you. Father, that in you, you teach us that in a journey of life, we don't need to have everything figured out before we move forward. God, that we can be at ground zero and see this long, long line ahead of us that looks impossible. But God, with you, you're with me. And so I can take one step, even though I don't know what's gonna happen, I can take a step and trust that you'll be with me the whole time. So God, I thank you. God, that we're gonna to begin to move forward. Even before we've got it figured out, we're gonna say yes to you. That's all you ask. Father, you don't ask us to be perfect. You don't ask for us to have it figured out. You don't ask us to get our, our lives all in perfect condition. You just want a yes. And that's what we say to you this morning. God, we say yes. And God, we ask that this would be a church of community. This would be a church where iron can sharpen iron, where we can be a body and a family, where nobody gets left behind, where we don't have people retreating, but we stay connected, we stay tight. We don't let offense or pain or, or irritation cause us to leave. And God, we just even pray, God, if there's things that we've held against you, that if you're in this room and you've been holding things against the Lord, I believe the Lord wants to come and bring healing and clarity to you right now. That if you're looking at him and saying, the reason why I've been holding myself back is because you did not answer that prayer. I believe that God's coming right now to just bring healing to your heart. And even just revelation that understands that we're not always gonna understand what God does, 
But the good news is this, is that he's still on his throne. He's still the same, and he still loves you. He still embraces you. And so, Father, we thank you that this is going to be a house of community. In Jesus' name, amen.